chapter 119. This is going to be our last week in Psalm 119. We'll look at the last word that described God's word in Psalm 119. Kind of put a bow on this study. And then next week, we're going to start a new study, short little study that I think we're going to do as we lead up into school starting and we get everybody back from the summer. But uh, we're going to look at the life of John the Baptist. And I've never really done a study about John the Baptist. And certainly we know John the Baptist and, and uh, we know his impact in Scripture. We know what um, his role was. But uh, what, what can we learn from the life of John the Baptist? A man whose entire goal could be summed up in that phrase that he said towards the end of his life. Um, he, talking about Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. And uh, if our goal is to love Jesus and to look like Jesus and to live like Jesus, uh, then, then we need to, to, to find out how we can do that better. And I believe we find that in the life of John the Baptist. So we'll look at that uh, over the next couple of weeks. But we're going to finish up Psalm 119 today. And uh, we're going to be in verse number 169. We're going to look at the last section. Certainly we haven't had a chance to read all of the chapter over the last eight weeks. And I would encourage you to be reading it yourself. Um, I'd encourage you, uh, certainly, obviously, to have a regular Bible reading. But uh, if you're struggling with that, if nothing else, go through. And for a little while, read those eight verse sections. Read one of them a day from Psalm 119. Allow the Lord to speak to you through that. And so Psalm 119, look at verse number 169, the Tau section, to finish out the chapter. The Bible says, Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before me, before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. And so, just before we get started, let, us, let me remind us, as far as why we began this study in the first place of Psalm 119. And uh, if our goal is to love Jesus more, then I am going to have to love his word. That's how I'm going to do it. And uh, I don't believe there's a better uh, portion of Scripture that focuses on the Word of God, certainly great verses throughout the Bible, but a portion of Scripture that focuses entirely on the Word of God, on our relationship with the Word of God, on loving God's Word better than Psalm 119, the Psalm of Scripture, the Song of Scripture. And, and I hope that you've been able to see that the last seven weeks, that it is a, a testimony to the relationship that the writer of the psalm has with the Word of God. And, and certainly as God has inspired it, it is God's desire for His Word in our lives, what He, what he wants it to be to us, what it ought to be to us, uh, what He wants uh, to do in us through the Word of God and, and what He wants us to do with it, the relationship that we need to have with it, what we need to do with it. And uh, certainly if the, if the phrase, the old, the old saying is true, knowledge is power, and as the Bible says, the man of knowledge increases strength. And so if knowledge is power and strength, then I hope we've been given the power and strength over the last seven and, and now eight weeks, including today, to have a deeper, stronger, more confident relationship 
with the Word of God, uh, to know what the Word of God should be for us and how the Lord wants to work through it in certain ways. And, and uh, you know, to, to know that as the sword of the Spirit, to know how to, to use our sword, to, to be that skilled workman of the Word that Scripture talks about. So uh, go back to the first section. We just read the last section. And so go back to the first section of Psalm 119. And since this is our last week, by way of review, I want us to read this first section and remind ourselves of those first seven different words that describe God's word in Psalm 119. So look at verse number one. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And so we said that the word of the God in Psalm 119 is the law. We said that's instruction. It's the word of God pointing to answers in our lives, pointing to what is right, pointing to what is wrong, making sure that we know clearly uh, what God uh, wants us to know. Uh, verse number two, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. We said that God's word as the testimonies are a record of what God has done, of who he is, of what he has planned for us. And that ought to encourage us, that ought to motivate us to know that even in times of life when we're not sure how things are going to work out, and we're not sure uh, how or what God is doing in our lives, that we can know from going back and seeing the example of Scripture, the testimonies of what God has done in the past, that he is going to do something uh, in the present and in the future. Look at verse number three. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. We said that the word of God as the way or the ways is the course or route to the destination that God has prepared for us in his purpose. It's the, the roadmap, if you will, uh, the GPS. It's the way. It's the turns that we need to take. It's the exits that we need to take. It's the, the route, the way that we need to take. Verse number four. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. And so we said that the word of God as the precepts is the mission. It's the special assignment that God has created for us individually. You know, in the word of God, uh, there is a mission. There is a reason. There is a purpose for you being on this earth right now. We find it as the precepts, uh, the reason, the mission, what God wants us to do. We see in the way, that's how where God wants us to go. Uh, in the precepts, that's what he wants us to do. Verse number five. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. We said the word of God as the statutes. Those are the unchanging, unfailing, written in stone word of God. Uh, the 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 unchanging. It's not going to change. Uh, it has power in our lives because we recognize that God has authority, the statutes. Uh, verse number six. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. We said those are the commandments, the things that God has given to us. The word of God is given to us by God. And you need, to, you need to believe that. You need to trust that. You need to know that. Be confident in your heart and mind that this is what God has given to you. Without question, without wavering, without fail, it is what God has given specifically to you. And then last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me, we looked at uh, judgments, verse number 7. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall learn thy righteous judgments. And we said that that is the ruling authority of God 
in Scripture, the decisions that God has made, the standard for life. And I hope that uh, that knowledge, understanding of what those words mean, that all of them refer to God's word, all of them describe God's word, that'll help you have a better understanding of what the word of God, Scripture, needs to be for you. So today we're going to finish up by looking at the last word, and we find that in verse number 9. It says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And so the last word or way that God describes scripture in Psalm 119 is with word. And so there in your handout, the word word comes from the Hebrew word dabar, which means a word, a matter, a thing spoken of. And this is what we're going to focus on later, a promise. A promise. God's word are God's words. Now that sounds very simple, but we forget that. These are God's words. These are not man's words. These are not traditions written down by the church over many, many years. These are are God's words. This is God's word. And we need to remember that. It is what God has said, the things that God has said, the promises that God has made. And so uh, let's first think about God's word as God's words, the words of God, what God has said to us. You know, when, you, when we say words, when we speak, the words that we say are the outward expressions of uh, the outward audible or legible expressions, whether we say or write them, of what is going on in our hearts and our minds. And so the expressions of God's heart and his mind are found in the word of God. They're what he wants us to read. They're what he wants us to know about him. And so this book, the scripture that you hold in your hand, are God's words. It's what he wants to reveal about himself. It's what he wants to reveal about you. It's what he wants you to know. He wants to peel back time and space and allow you to have a glimpse of what his heart and his mind is. It is his words. The words of God. And there are many uh, verses throughout Psalm 119. Uh, I believe uh, over 30 different verses in Psalm 119 refer to the word of God as the word. And so it's the most commonly used word in this chapter to refer to the Bible. And so let's look at a few of them that we know we're familiar with. Uh, we just read verse number nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to, his, uh, to thy word. Uh, we take heed. Uh, how, how do we make sure that we're going the right direction? By paying attention to what God has said. You know, how many, how many times that when we were as children, or if not us, definitely our siblings, uh, got themselves in trouble or hurt themselves because they just didn't listen to what mom and dad said. And, and you know, again, not because it was you and I, but it was your siblings, because mom and dad would say, if you'd have just done what? If you'd have just listened to what I said. And God's word according to this verse, will give us that direction. It will help us make sure that our way is clean. It will make sure that our way is right if we just pay attention to it, if we just listen to it. Verse number 11, 
familiar verse, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We hide it in our hearts. We internalize what God has said. Verse number 105, look at it. Another familiar verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need to allow those words to guide us step by step. And here's interesting. This is just a side note, but I want to just mention this about this verse. Notice that it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And understand where the writer is coming from in scripture right here. A lamp, an oil lamp. Uh, used in Old Testament times did not create an inordinate amount of light. It was not a mag light flashlight that was going to brighten up an entire room. It was not your camping lantern uh, that would uh, create all the light that you need in order to function. No, it was enough light to allow you to see the next step. And that's what he says here. Verse number 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. My feet. It allows me to see my feet and it allows me to see where I need to go next. And when I take that step, it allows me to see where I need to go next. See, our problem is we need to know every single step. And we need to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through the alphabet and then double the letters. We need to know every single step that we're going to take in life before we decide to follow what God has for us. He says that's not the way it works. My word is a lamp. It's going to show you, it's going to help you know what the very next step is. And once you take that step, it's going to help you know what the very next step is. See, we, we, we get so worried about following God because we don't know everything about it. And because we don't know everything about it, we're not willing to even take the first step. God says, I'm going to let you know what the first step is. My word will show you the first step. It'll be that lamp. It'll be that light. And once you take the first step, I'll show you the next. A lamp unto my feet. Uh, verse number 140, look at it. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Uh, very pure, not just pure, not just perfect, but very pure. An emphasis on the purity of the word of God. And then two verses, uh, look at verse number 89. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And then a similar verse, verse number 160. The Bible says, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The word of God, true from the beginning, settled forever in heaven. The confidence that we can have in the established word of God, knowing that from the beginning, forever, uh, that it has been Established that it is settled, that it will not change. And so uh, I want to now focus for the rest of our time on the Word of God, the Word, uh, as the promises of God. That's one of the definitions or meanings of that Word. And uh, when we think about promises, when we think about somebody making promises to us, um, a man, we, we, we will sometimes say that somebody gave their word. Uh, what, what is that? That's the promises that someone will make and whether or not they'll follow through with them. And so when we, when we think of God's word, we can think of it as that. It's God giving us his word, his promises, and whether or not he will follow through with them. So throughout Psalm 119, and we read it uh, in two of the verses that we read right at the beginning of the class in that last section. In fact, look at them, verses 169 and verse 170. 
we find a phrase at the end of the section, or at the end of the verse, excuse me. It says, let, me, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Verse 170. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. And we find that phrase, according to thy word, uh, in verse 25, verse 28, verse 41, 58, 76, 107, 116, and then in these two verses that we just read. That phrase, according to to thy word. And each verse has a request that is attached to that phrase. In verse 169 that we just read, the writer is asking for understanding. Give me understanding. In verse 170, he's asking for deliverance. Deliver me. And each request is based on the promises, the promised word of God to us. And uh, look at verse... 114. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll come back to that in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, we talk about the Word of God being full of promises and, and the promises of God that are available to us. And certainly it is. Um, but what or should, what do or what should those promises mean to us? And how should we look at them? Um, a promise... And I think you'd agree with me on this. A promise is only as good as the person making the promise. Promise is only as good as the one making the promise. You know, uh, people make promises all the time. But how good is that promise? You know, if you've worked in the, uh, the bus ministry at all or worked in the children's ministry, uh, you, you know you go out on Saturday and you're not going to kid's door and, oh yeah, we're going to be there tomorrow. And we're going to bring, you know, seven of our cousins and five of our neighbors and we're going to have a great day. Yes, we're, gonna, we're coming. They promise. And then you show up the next morning on the bus and they don't even live there anymore. Uh, and that, that probably actually has happened. Uh, but the promises, uh, a person's promise, a, a promise is only as good as the one making the promise. Uh, we all know people who have made promises to us or promises to others with the best intentions of keeping those promises, but they fail to. And maybe that's, maybe that's us. Uh, we, we fail to keep our promises. Um, much of whether or not we trust a promise has uh, to do with how well we know someone. Um, you know, if a stranger was to come up to you and promise you a million dollars, how are you going to believe that promise? Do you believe that promise is going to come true? No, probably not. Okay? But if you were best friends with a millionaire and you knew them real well and they were like family and they promised you a great sum of money and you knew them to be trustworthy, you knew them to keep their promises, you have a much better chance of having that promise to be kept. And all of us are wondering, let's see, who do I know that's like that that I can get to promise me that? Um, yeah, no one is the answer. Uh, but how well we know someone determines whether or not we trust their promises. Uh, let me say this. When it comes to the promises of God, and we're going to look at some of them, and why we can trust them, 
why we can believe that they're going to be fulfilled, why we can believe that God's going to fulfill his word. Uh, If we don't or can't trust God's promises, then maybe it's because we don't know God well enough. Or the God that we think we know is not really who he is. The understanding that we have of God, it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the one true God. It's our understanding of God. And because of that, we don't trust his promises. But, but we can, and I'm here to tell you, we can have confidence in the promises of God, in God's word as his promises. Why? Because it's God who makes them. Uh, it, it's God who makes them. It's God's word. It's not my word. It's not uh, the Baptist's word. It's not the pastor's word. It's not the deacon's word. It is God's word. And because it is his word, we can trust them. I want you to look at these scriptures with me. Go to Titus chapter number one and verse number two. Why can we trust God's word as his word, as the promise, the promises that he's given to us? Titus chapter number one and look at verse number two. Titus 1 and verse number 2, the Bible says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that little phrase that comes next is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Do you know, it, it, it is, you know, we talk about the fact that there is, there is nothing that God can't do. And that is true. His ability, his power, he is omnipotent. Uh, he is omniscient. There's nothing that he doesn't know. Uh, his ability is, is, is immeasurable. There is nothing that God cannot do, except he cannot lie. He can't, it is impossible. It is intrinsically impossible for God to lie. And scripture tells us that. It is impossible for God to lie. Go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Why can we trust the promises of God? Because it's God that gave it gave them to us. It's God who made them. And as we read scripture, it tells us that when he promises something, he cannot lie, meaning he cannot break a promise. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse number 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Faithful. He is trustworthy. He is going to come through. Look at chapter 11, the next chapter in verse number 11. Look at the last phrase of verse number 11 of Hebrews 11. This is talking about Sarah because she judged him faithful who had promised. He is faithful. Look at 2 Peter chapter number 3. Why can we trust the word of God? Why can we trust the promises of God? Because God cannot lie. Because he is faithful. Verse number 9 of 2 Peter chapter number 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not slack concerning them. He's not not flipping about his promises. He doesn't make them willy-nilly and think, well, I'll keep them if I feel like it. No, God is going to keep his promises. He's going to keep them. Why can we trust the promises of God? Because it's God who makes them. And as you read all throughout Scripture, you find so many different promises of God. 
you find where God promises so many different things. Uh, I just wrote down a list of, of several of them. But in Isaiah 40, he promises strength to the weary. In Isaiah 41, he promises strength and help and to uphold you. In Isaiah 43, 2, in Matthew 28, 20, and Joshua 1, 9, God promises to be with us. In Jeremiah 33, 3, in Matthew 6, he promises to answer prayer, and that promises in multiple places in Scripture. Uh, in James 1, 5, he promises to give us wisdom when we ask it. In 1 John 1, 9, he promises forgiveness of sin. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we know he promises peace and an expected end. In Malachi 3.10, he promises blessings on those who are obedient and giving. And in Philippians 4.19, he promises to supply all our need through Christ Jesus. God promises so many different things. And the reason why we can know that he's going to fulfill and keep those promises, whether we see how he does it, whether we understand how he does it, whether he does it in the time that we think he should or not, is because he is God. He cannot lie. He is faithful that promised, and he is keeping those promises. He's serious about keeping those promises. What are some other reasons why we know that God has promised things to us? The word of God is what we can trust as the promises of God. Let me say this, all right? Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the embodiment of fulfilled promise. You want, a, you want a reason why you can trust the promises of God? It's Jesus. You want a reason why you can trust God's word as being true and why you can trust it as being uh, what God has given to us? It's Jesus. You realize that almost nearly 200 prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled or were fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. What is a prophecy? It's a promise. It's a promise that something is going to happen. It's a promise that something is going to take place. And Jesus fulfilled those promises. Jesus is the reason why we can believe God's word will be fulfilled. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. The Bible says, For all the promises of God in him, talking about Jesus, are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. What is he saying there? The promises of God in Jesus. We know that God's promises will be fulfilled because of Jesus Christ. Because he fulfilled God's promises. Because he is the word and he cannot fail. What's another promise of God that we can trust? And I believe that we need to trust I believe it's the promise of eternal life. We read that just a minute ago in Titus chapter number 1 and verse number 2. Uh, God who cannot lie, talking about eternal life. Uh, that whole context there. Uh, but eternal life. Look at Romans chapter number 10. And I use this verse whenever trying to, to share Christ with someone, get them, uh, lead them to a decision about Christ for eternal life. Familiar verse to all of us. Romans 10, look at verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that's a great verse, and those of us that have trusted Christ probably have read that verse, or that was one of the verses that we were taken to before we did. But what is that verse? That verse is a promise. That verse is a promise that if we call, if we ask, if we choose Christ, we will be saved. We shall be saved. Uh, John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is a promise. Well, I hope that as you read the Bible, that you see it as God's word. Yes, it's the things that he has spoken, the things that he is expressing to you about himself, about this life, about yourself. But I hope that you read it and see it for what it is. It is the promise. The whole thing is God's promise to you. And we can trust it. We can believe it. Uh, you, you know, when, when you trust Christ, when you get saved, that promise of eternal life, uh, you know, we know, we know the other verses where Jesus said that no man can pluck you out of my hand, uh, that, but believing the promises, that when we call, we have eternal life, we shall be saved, knowing that God cannot break those promises should give us uh, that type of confidence. Now, we know that we can trust the promises. So when we read God's promises, what should our response be? When we read God's word, when we see the promises of God, is it just something that we can feel real good about? What should our response be when we understand God's promises? Well, first of all, look at Hebrews chapter number 10. Go back to Hebrews and look at verse number 36. Because I think one of the things, one of the reasons why we fail um, or hesitate, I should say, to trust God's promises. One of the reasons why um, we don't believe them, for lack of a better word, and why we don't trust God's promises is because we don't see them coming through in the time that we think that they should be. You know, God promises deliverance. God promises strength. And we think that he should come through at a certain time. And when he doesn't, we think, well, God doesn't keep his promises. But that's not the response we need to have to God's promises. What does scripture say? Look at verse number 36 of Hebrews 10. The Bible says, for ye have need of, oh, this is everybody's favorite word, patience. You have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. See, when you read God's word as patience, or when you read God's word as the promises, sometimes we have to take that with a little patience. You know, uh, that's what you did for salvation. When you trusted Christ, you didn't believe that God was going to fulfill that promise of eternal life right away. Sometimes we wish he did. But you didn't believe he was going to fulfill it right away. You had patience. And we need to approach the rest of God's promises like that. Go back to Psalm 119. We'll finish up there. Because there's another word. We saw that, that phrase, according to thy word, several different times. But there's another word that is mentioned five different times along with the word in Psalm 119. And look at verse, this is where we look at verse 114. And that's the word hope. The word hope. And the word hope comes from the Hebrew word yakal, which means to wait patiently and, oh, this is important, expectantly. It's different than how we use hope in the English language today. See, when we say hope, when you say, you know, I hope this happens or I hope so, you know, we have no idea if it's going to happen or not. 
We're just, you know, wishing. Basically, we're wishing for it to happen. We got our fingers crossed and our toes crossed, and you know, we're just we're just wishing, hoping that something will happen. But Bible hope is different. Bible hope is waiting expectantly. Bible hope is waiting, knowing that something's going to happen. You're just not sure when. When you have hope, when you have real hope, it's confidence that God is going to come through. He's going to do it in his time. He's going to do it in his way. But we're confident that he's going to come through. Look at verse number 114. Thou art my hiding place in my shield. I hope in thy word. I don't hope in man. I don't hope in myself. I hope in thy word. And if you look at God's word entirely, not just those verses that we mentioned or read just a minute ago, but entirely as his promise to you, and have confidence that because it is God that gave it to us, he cannot lie and he is faithful that promised, then you can have hope. You can be confident. You can be uh, assured. You can be expecting something to happen. And you can be waiting for it to happen. Listen to this. Uh, and this is that last statement there. The promises of God are inseparable from the character of a God for whom it is impossible to lie. God's promises and who he is are one and the same. And his character, his quality makes it impossible for him to lie. It, they're never separate. Therefore, we have hope in those promises because we know they will be fulfilled. If those promises come from a God who cannot lie, who will fulfill his promises, that's why we can have hope. Because we know one day that he will fulfill it. And so as we finish up Psalm 119 today, remember our whole goal Going back to our series before this, our whole goal was to get our mind focused on truth. To think thoughts of truth, to dwell on truth, to take our thoughts captive, to not allow them to be based on lies, but to make sure that they are in obedience to Christ in truth. We're pointed to truth by the law of God. Uh, we're minded of truth by the testimonies of God. We're directed to truth by the ways of God. We're led by truth, by the precepts of God. We're given confidence in truth by the statutes of God. We have the solid foundation of truth by the commandments of God. We know the truth that are the judgments of God, and we trust in truth that is the word of God, the promises of God. And so I hope you take that. I hope that that will encourage you to have a stronger, deeper, uh, more personal relationship with this book. But go back through. Read Psalm 119. I encourage you. Don't just let this last eight weeks go by. Uh, go back through, read it, and allow the Word of God to continue to speak to you.